So Diane, ultimately, the real Diane, she said, I feel like mm. that would have, uh, reporting the behavior, would have just made things worse and that she would have had developed a reputation of being someone who doesn't get a joke. So she didn't complain. So this is Josie Cox's oh. point that HR in today's world, working world, are not able to handle these things in a way which accommodates women especially, but, you know, people mm. in this precarious job market, whatever that means, because it's actually quite complicated. Yeah. But um, Delois, researchers have found that 59% of women who said they were harassed reported the incidents to their employer, which is down from 66% in the prior year's survey. So due to the nature of today's working world, fewer women are willing to go to HR with the problems that they have because they are not comfortable with the potential outcome of those conversations. Mm, makes sense. I think that mentality needs to be changed, but I really think uh, that makes sense. And women are probably a little more forgiving, thinking that they could just be a one-time thing or, you know, maybe they will change, um, but not all the time, not necessarily. So. Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We're a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason, and today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Oh, yeah. According to a new 2023 mm. publication by Delois, amid glimpses of progress, women's mental health is still poor and stigma remains. The BBC reports, quote, a precarious economy and employment instability may be making the problem worse, end quote. Would you put yourself in jeopardy to report a rotten boss or coworker? Mm, that's always a tricky question. And it's always the answer is always easier than when you actually had to deal with it. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know. You know, True. this is not something that happens to six foot tall, 280 pound men. Usually we're not harassed in the workplace. So, I mean, I, you may be surprised there. There are certain, you know, media uh, power people that kind of don't discriminate when it comes to like Alan DeGeneres, for example. No, that's not what I, who I'm talking about. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to name names, but. Let's start naming <laughs> names. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but there are people who would do that to kind of everyone, regardless whether you're one man or woman, how big or small you are. So I guess we have to break it down into Absolutely. The, the two obvious baskets of discrimination. Mm. You have discrimination, which is the kind, well, I guess there's several baskets, really. You have harassment, which is violent, potentially. Then you have aggressive verbal mm. violence, which is another kind of violence. And then you also have sexual harassment. And then I guess you have also discrimination based on ethnicity, religion, race, age. So I guess, actually, there's a lot of baskets. When you really think about it, it's a huge battlefield that we're talking about. Harassment is absolutely a big umbrella of negative events that take place in workplace. And it, it definitely, like Jason just said, it includes so many different aspects of it. And I don't, I'm lucky I haven't, knocking on wood, received any workplace sexual harassment. But if we're just talking about workplace harassment, people that bring you professional problems when they're not necessary, that I've experienced a lot. And I'm sure you have to yourself as well. Well, I have a question though. Is it safe? Is it okay? to differentiate someone being rude because they're having a bad day or someone who is being rude to you because they, mm. for another reason. Having a bad day is not an excuse to be unpleasant in the workplace. Mm. I will say that usually, I don't think people, it's very rare. Hmm, actually, I just remembered one incident that happened at Meta. Sometimes people do get triggered. You don't really know if they're having a bad day or not. But from my experience, everyone will give the other person benefit of the doubt before saying this person is harassing me or is causing, you know, problems 
at workplace. Most people would be pretty understanding, but if you repeat your action patterns, and especially if mm. when people bring it to you and saying this mm. is bothering me and you're trying to brush it off, then I'm like, I, I don't think it's your bad day. And even if you're having a bad day after I have told you I don't like what you're doing, you're still not trying to take it seriously, then I think that's a uh, inexcusable hmm. from there and on. Obviously, confrontations at work. I'm in my 40s. You know, I've been around. Oh, you have? Obviously. Not where I necessarily initiated, but I've been parts of conversations that were not the most pleasant conversation to be a part of. But I would say that I don't think it's ever okay for people to harass others, even if they're having a bad day. If someone is having a bad day, they should endeavor to just be quiet. Yeah. Or if someone comes up to them and says, hey, do you have Project X? And they feel like I'm going to have an out outrageous attack or something or whatever they should say you know i don't feel well right now i completely agree maybe just leave me alone because i'm not able to cope with being here or you know you should explain to people maybe that it's not a that you're not able to deal with the situation as it is maybe you know and if hey if something really terrible happens like your dog dies or whatever yeah. don't go to work you know i completely agree that's not the place you should be i completely agree and this is something that is so hard to get through to people. Are we allowed to tell stories? <laughs> uh, just don't use real names. You can say person J. Or I won't. <laughs> yeah. I won't. Of course. How did you know the name starts with a J? Oh, I, um, oh, I didn't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really actually did, but I'm not going to be so obvious. So let's just call this person K. Uh, that sounds good, right? Yeah. And to, cool. Now it's men in black. We know who did it. I know. <laughs> and to my dear friend, <laughs> K, this is not you. This is just a letter, not your full name. But okay, here's the situation. I want people to, I would be very interested in knowing what people think of it and what you think of it as well, Jason. So this person, K, was sick from COVID after the major wave. You know, like most people have been, they have recovered. So the company wasn't giving out extra COVID days off anymore. And Kay was very, very sick, according to Kay herself. But Kay had this project that she had to lead, or according to herself, that she had to lead. And when she was working with the other team that she needed the resources from, there was some miscommunication or misunderstanding of what the other team is supposed to cover or how they're supposed to work together because Kay hasn't worked with that team that much before. And everything kind of unfolded folded from there in the worst way possible that Kay started messaging mm -hmm. the person she's working with, the person's project manager, the person's people manager and the people manager's manager and everyone. And then she's putting groups together. She's messaging everybody day and night. And there Kay was in a different time zone with this team. And when the project manager approaches Kay and says, so I'm sorry, you're having a bad experience with our team. What is the problem? And the most important as a tech company dealing with products going online all the time, what's the current blocker of this project? Are we, is my team member causing a blocker of this team, of this feature? Instead of answering these questions, Kay started just venting. And it's, you know, like articles of messages coming in mm -hmm. to all different people and all the groups that she's put together. And when the manager sees that, they're like, okay, we need to have an emergency meeting because this person who's our, you know, our partner seems really, really upset. And Kay says, I don't want to have a meeting because I'm really sick and I can't talk. So from there, Kay repeated this pattern for the next couple of days. Just sending messages in group, going in loop and not really trying to answer the question. So this whole issue lasted for over a month where everybody's just under constant berating of how upset she is instead of really trying to do what we call a post-mortem and solve the problem. And Kay started saying, you guys are not professional. And this is where it becomes more attacking. She says, you're not professional. What you're doing doesn't match the value of the company. And this is really, really unexpected. And this is a huge disappointment. And you should really look at how you run your team, all of that. Mm -hmm. And then she was repeating all of these to every aspect that every part that was involved and she's like you know the way that you are handling your work is really really bad i could have reported you to the company and at that point the project manager goes actually what you're doing to me right now without working together to solve the problem and you're just attacking me attacking our team attacking you know the specific team member you're working with and messaging us at really inappropriate working hours all the time 
that is workplace harassment. I think it's really interesting. It's an interesting story that you've told. And I would say that that person probably shouldn't be in a managerial role. Yeah. Because being adversarial with the people with whom you're working and helping deliver a product is not ever going to work as a is I mean I know that firstly people's feelings are being hurt people are under a lot of stress and this is the issue but there's another deeper issue yeah in that that is not a managerial being aggressive is not a managerial tool that helps anything get accomplished so and you know the funny ending to the story <laughs> a little bit over a month later the project that she's trying to push so hard while she was sick instead of getting rest and she was harassing everybody about was reported by the legal team to the CEO because it didn't comply with legal regulations. And she was trying to just push things around and going around rules and regulations. So her, her project got pulled from online. You know, this is an extremely long, complicated case. Oh, yeah. listening to The Bridge. I'd like to tell a different story. Yeah. This is the kind of story that, well, firstly, actually, before I tell a story, I want to talk about The Office, mm. the American TV show. The TV show? Oh, my God. I love that TV show. The Office. I don't remember the name of, I'm sorry, I'm not a huge Office fan, but I did watch most of it. <laughs> but what's the manager's name? The manager's name was, Yeah. I'm thinking Steve Carell. I can't think of them. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Carell. Exactly. So Steve Carell. What Steve Carell does is absolutely. Is basically, the when I think of her harassment in the workplace, I think of Steve Carell. He is like basically the workplace harassment guy because he's always making fun of inappropriate times. Michael Scott, that's the name. Michael Scott, that's right. He's always like making jokes about people in distress, people having bad days, people having lost loved ones, people's cars being stolen. He's always making- People's weight, people's race, people's, you know, sexual orientation. Yeah, yeah. He is emblematic to me. When I think of mm. workplace harassment, I picture his face in my mind because basically that's what he did as his team's captain was to constantly harass everyone underneath him. Yeah. But you know, Michael Scott's way of harassment is very blatant. It's very on the nose and it's absolutely, you know, dramatified. Is that a word? You know, it's dramatized. Dramatized. Yeah. Dramatified. It's close. Yeah. Oh, I'm making up words now. Yeah. So, you know, you know what I mean, right? It's really dramatized. But in actual workplaces all day, we actually let a lot of things fly. And if you... Well, I mean, I've seen people yell at each other in workplaces before. It depends on why they're yelling at each other. One designer at, a, at my old office actually is mad at the fact that people don't confront each other. And he says, there's no way that you're coming up with good design if everybody's just agreeing with everything. Everyone's complimenting everybody else's work. Well, there's a difference between disagreeing and even raising one's voice in disagreement yeah. and yelling at each yeah. other. There's a line there and you need to know, yeah. like, hey, it's not okay to start pointing and yelling or using ad hominems like you this or you that. Exactly. I, mean, I don't like red. If red doesn't look good. It's different from you stupid idiot. <laughs> it's blood orange. Oh my God. It's red. It's not blood orange. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think most of the time for most rational people, it should be obvious, but I guess it's not true because a lot of people don't know when it's obvious. Exactly. I've worked in places where we had to let people go because, you know, mm. where I was the leader, my direct reports started yelling at each other and it's not mm. yelling as in disagreement. It was yelling as in like, you know, I don't like you. So that's a totally different thing. And it was like, okay. Oh, wow. That must be a lot of a uh, real dislike for the person to yell that to the person, the other person's face. In a classroom with children in it. That is highly inappropriate. It wasn't like, we're going to talk about this. It was like, don't come back tomorrow. <laughs> like you're done, you know? Wow. Yeah. How did everybody else react? That's what I'm curious about. Well, the children didn't know what to think, but everyone who was not, because the only two people in the room were these two people having the conflict. So we had to sit them down and we let one go. Uh -huh. The other one ended up leaving Whew. the company about uh -huh. a week later. So we got rid of both of them sort of. And that was nice because we don't need people who are yelling at each other in front of children. And both of them, in fact, were yelling. So that's not an acceptable mm. place to be. But, you know, these are just some examples. Wow. Now, clearly, according to the BBC, this is Josie Cox, June 14th, 2023. It has always been difficult for women to call out workplace misconduct. 
So it's talking about women specifically, but a precarious economy and employment instability may be making the problem worse. Now, when I read this headline, Mm. I first, I have to think about the Western employment scenario. And it's more complex than it's ever been in my entire lifetime because you have low unemployment in the United States, but you have tons of service jobs that are empty and people desperately clinging to Mm. jobs that pay well, because if they lose them, they feel that they will not be able to find another job that pays well. So you have like a really good and a really bad employment sector simultaneously. And it's difficult to understand it sometimes. And everyone's situation is very different. Mm. But clearly, if Josie Cox is right, women are feeling like if they complain, they will face job instability and they do not want to lose their jobs Mm. because they feel like they will not be able to replace it with an equal job somewhere else in the market, which is making the Me Too movement and, you know, sexual harassment and and all kinds of other gender related issues much worse for women in these employment scenarios. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear that are kind of exclusive to women. And it's not really easily empathized. I think that's the kind of the major hurdle in getting the ideas across or or getting themselves heard. Well, I mean, I have I recently heard a story from a person that I was interviewing and basically they told me, hey, you know, I went and I complained to HR and the consequence was 10 minutes later, someone came Uh that same person that I had complained about came to me and brought me aside. And told me, what did you say to HR? Oh my God. And so obviously, I. That is so unprofessional. Like HR was not supposed to just. Exactly. So close that information. Exactly. So I think that these women who are worried about complaining are really not worried about whether or not they should complain. Obviously, they should. They're worried about the quality of HR. Yeah. Because it looks like a lot of HRs are not able to handle these challenges in a way which is fair to the people who need. HR to be a place that they can go and complain. Yeah. And then that actually, I mean, again, I'm not going to name names, but there are certain big tech companies out there with a lot of employees. The HR there, you know, from experience are not really the best out there. They're not as professional and they actually call their candidates at like 9 or 10 p.m. <laughs> at night. Wow. Yeah. Candidates. You mean potential employees? Yeah. And then a lot of people are like, what is going on? Why are you calling me this late? And they don't even want to go on with the interview. And that's actually how a lot of good people don't get to come to this company. You know, it's interesting because in some countries, including France, if you call someone out of work hours, it's illegal. It's illegal. Yeah. You guess fine. But a candidate isn't technically an employee yet. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you make a good point that they, they, they decided not to come to the company because they're being called at 11 o'clock. And that might be indicative of why. Why would I what your working environment is going to be like? And exactly. This is clearly an, a company who's telling me that if I go to work for them, they're going to be calling me late at night. <laughs> Exactly. If they think this is okay, how many other things they will let just slip when you actually do work for the company? And there's been quite a few kind of like cases recently in recent years where it kind of involved workplace harassment not being properly handled. And we have all been through things or witnessed other people's problems that are just kind of being let die down in the company. And you can have a talk with HR. HR will say, I'm really sorry to hear this. And this is really unfortunate. How do you want to solve it? And then you're like, you don't know as an employee, I feel like it's hard for you to say, I want this to happen to the person that is harassing me or hurting me or insulting me or whatever, because it's not your job to decide what should happen to them because HR are the people. The HR department is the group who handles the whole principles and practices and standards of how things should be handled in this company, what action would cause whatever consequence. But then they would most likely just say, we should put this on observation. We'll observe him or her for a little longer. And then it just goes by. You're listening to The Bridge. Let me ask you a question because you Mm. you have experience working in tech. And I think a lot of, you know, and I don't want you to give away anything in your NDA or whatever. So just please use generalizations. But when we non-tech people watch media like 
movies about people who work in tech, TV shows about people who work in tech. It looks like this big playground that's colorful and it's got place po- sleeping pods and stuff. How is life in tech different <laughs> from the way that it is portrayed in entertainment? It's very much just like any other company, I would say. For example, I've been to, I've shot videos at the at Johnson and Johnson's office in Beijing. I've shot videos at the NBA headquarters in Beijing and other big corporate offices. It's pretty much the same. The glamour and the flashy style only exists in one corner of the whole office building. The rest of the office building is very much just like a big factory. Everybody has their own desk. And what I didn't like as much is that, you know, how all the tech companies really pride themselves in having a flattened management, meaning that there's, you know, you will be sitting next to your manager, your manager's manager, like we'll we'll be all sitting together at a desk. Like nobody has an office. I think only the top, like... Describing my office. See, like I I would love to... Maybe I am very traditional and brainwashed by a corporate culture, but I, I just like I can lean over and ask a question because they're there, you know, what I mean? or I can walk yeah. around. I can walk 10 meters and I can ask a question. I like that. that. I do like, but I also ha- I like to have kind of something in sight and saying, oh, see that office. I want that. <laughs> I want that office. You should get a little plant and put a fence around it. And that'll be your space. I would love to have that. I would love to have that. <laughs> and I, I don't, you know, I like cubicles, I, oh, yeah. but I want to be able to have my own space. But if I want to talk to people, like you said, I just like look back or just walk to the next cubicle or lean into the next cubicle. But I like to have my own space. But I don't remember where I saw it, it was not the movie office space, though, because that is a lot about cubicles. I think it was a stand up comedian, maybe. But he said or she, I don't actually remember. Uh. It's something like a cubicle is like you can't actually have an office, but they also don't want you looking at your coworkers. Yeah, that's good because <laughs> it's kind of awkward sometimes, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, you're trying to do your own thing and you're, you don't want to sit up straight or whatever, you know, just you want to have some comfortable personal time. Alex, I got to tell you, posture is important. Oh, God, I know. I know. I know. This is why this is part of a reason why I was like, I'm going to get my posture back on track. When you are my age, you're going to know. <laughs> you're going to be like, Damn it, Jason warned me. <laughs> but like all the okay, people wait. older than me were right when they told me anything at all. You have some experience in HR. I have related experience being a leader who had to deal with HR and HR cases. Yeah. But I thought we could go through some of these examples that Josie Cox put into her BBC article. Sure. So this is from Diane. I don't know if that's really her name or not. Mm. Diane has worked in a software company in New York for about six years. Mm. And quote, oh, she got a new boss. Quote, it was clear from the beginning he did not like me. Mm. Diane, who identifies as Asian American, quote, he would ask me to do tasks that were objectively below my pay grade. Mm. Then he'd criticize me in front of my colleagues and accuse me of not following instructions, even though I had. So you're HR, you get this complaint. What do you do? Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I, what I did in, within the HR department was more on the training side. I didn't have to handle this. But I think mm. per mm. my very rough idea of HR's protocol, this is probably most likely will be documented in greater details. And then if Diane has enough to build a case against this person, then they will launch an investigation. And when you're under investigation, I think you have to stop your involvement in projects. You'll still keep your like, because when you're under investigation, it doesn't mean that you are guilty. It's the wrong, it's the wrong word. Well, you know, I would, because I have, this is interesting because my positions have always been direct leadership positions over other people who, if something like this came to me, firstly, I would document it and send that Mm. information to HR with a plan. My plan in this case would probably be like taking her boss. Let's just say his name is Greg. (laughs) Sorry, Greg. All the Greg's listening. I don't mean you. So I would say, hey, Greg, I wanted to go over a training with you where we would, I want to tell you, make sure you understand all of the roles of the people on your team and their job expectations are. This is just something that I would normally go through with a lot of, you know, my reports. So then I would sit down Mm. with Greg and have an appointment for 30 minutes. That's a time that was convenient for Greg, not necessarily even on the same day. And then delineate to Greg Diane's position in addition to other people Mm. in a way that's not obvious that I was talking specifically about her, but all the people on his team, their roles and what he was expected to ask of them and what were realistic things that they should be doing and that he should be doing and how the team was supposed to ideally work together. Because, you know, these kind of trainings exist. All you have to do is Mm. find the training that is about this and then give that to him as a one-on-one. 
And then if the behavior persisted, it would be escalated to having HR get involved more directly. Oh, well, that's good on your part. But, you know, if the person that they're trying to complain to is their direct manager, then that's a... I did have this uh, very, very lovely lady who's also Asian American. I was working with her on an internal product and she was super supportive of me and very nice and super accommodating when it comes to time differences and meetings. But before she left the company, because our whole department got dissolved and she decided to, because she's already well established in her line of work as a corporate trainer um, and, and an expert in learning and development, she decided to just leave, take the compensation and leave. But before she left, she told me, she said, I have to tell you this because it has been really, really stressful that her direct leader was treating her kind of like what we're talking about here is being very mean to her and just being extra tough and really not respecting her expertise. And because it happened during a time when everybody was working from home, her husband even heard uh, her direct leader just yelling at her saying, are you a, an idiot on the phone, you know, on the video meeting? And it really cost her a lot of stress. And so she, before she left the company, she really built up her case and sent uh, a lot of screenshots and other supporting Mm. materials to HR to build a case against this person. But to my knowledge, nothing happened because she left the company. Yeah, I'm really surprised if she had documented that much Mm. to the degree that which you're talking about how terrible the behavior was that nothing was done. Mm. So Diane, ultimately, the real Diane, she said, I feel like mm. that would have, uh, reporting the behavior, would have just made things worse and that she would have had developed a reputation of being someone who doesn't get a joke. So she didn't complain. So this is Josie Cox's oh. point that HR in today's world, working world, are not able to handle these things in a way which accommodates women especially. But, you know, people mm. in this precarious job market, whatever that means, because it's actually quite complicated. Yeah. But um, Delois, researchers have found that 59% of women who said they were harassed reported the incidents to their employer, which is down from 66% in the prior year's survey. So due to the nature of today's working world, fewer women are willing to go to HR with the problems that they have because they are not comfortable with the potential outcome of those conversations. Mm, makes sense. I think that mentality needs to be changed, but I really think uh, that makes sense. And women are probably a little more forgiving, thinking that they could just be a one-time thing or, you know, maybe they will change, um, but not all the time, not necessarily. So Yeah. Okay. So um, this is a different article. This is from ILO.org. Mm-hmm. Violence and harassment at work has affected more than one in five people. So it's interesting. If you look at the statistic from Delois, they mention... It's Deloitte, Jason. Is it Deloitte? Oh, I've been mispronouncing it for years, Alex. <laughs> That's the way Ma- Morris says it. Oh, oh really? That's okay. interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So so this is uh, 59% of women said they were harassed, reported the incidents. Mm. So we jumping to the next article has affected one in violence and harassment has worked, has affected one in five people. So these statistics don't. That's crazy. That's a crazy number. Don't match up. Exactly. But violence. Wow. I don't think I've ever witnessed violence in any of the workplaces I've ever worked in where someone hit physically, you know, a physical violence. I guess there's other kinds of violence. I've never witnessed physical violence Mm. in my workplace. I've only seen it in videos. Like, you know, those videos that go viral is some kind of like, you know, whack team out of in the middle of nowhere and is doing some strange stuff. And that's the only I've never seen or heard in real life that there was physical violence being conducted at work. I've seen it in, yeah, videos that have gone viral on like Instagram where like people, usually it's not employees attacking each other. It's like customers attacking employees or employees attacking customers. Mm. So yeah, I can't even imagine that. But obviously, you know, that is something where the parties are probably dismissed in instantaneously. Yeah, that's why I think the number or the stat comes as a kind of a shock to us and probably to our listeners as well, like one in five, that's 20 percent is like an incredibly high. And this is people. So it's men and women. But I'm guessing that a higher percentage of those are women. But it doesn't differentiate in this article. Yeah. I mean, the only type of physical violence you would see us in all of these TV dramas where your boss would just slap you or you slap your boss, you slap your coworker. But in real life, I've never heard of anything like this. The report, the ILO report, mm. makes a range of recommendations, including collecting robust data. So Alex already uh, delineated that how that would be useful to mm. document everything. 
But I mean, obviously, if you have a someone who is a serial harasser, <laughs> you wouldn't keep them on the team, I'm assuming. I mean, even if you're like a legal firm and they're one of your best lawyers, there's you definitely don't want that person around, right? I mean, yeah. this also includes sexual harassment or other kinds of discrimination and harassment. So, I mean, I don't think I would want that person on my team. I can't name the name that, of the company that I formerly worked for, but no kind of harassment was tolerated whatsoever in any form at all. And we constantly had HR meetings yeah. to go over the kinds of appropriate behavior. So those sorts of things wouldn't happen. Mm. I definitely don't want someone from my team who is like discriminating against other people based on their gender or their race or their age or anything like that at all. And we regularly let people know that that behavior was not going to be acceptable. Okay. Mm. It said another thing you can do is extend and update mechanisms to effectively prevent and manage violence. So I really don't know what that means. Can you translate this for us? <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> this is one of those languages, you know, they try to make it sound more sophisticated. I don't know what it means to extend the mechanism. to okay, prevent. Sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, it says a labor yeah. inspections system. I guess they mean cameras because that's all. But I, I don't of. really think, I feel like you would only lose your temper to be caught on camera. Like if you had a really bad fight with your coworker and you both have completely lost your temper and that's how you would fight and you, you would be caught on camera. Otherwise, what would cameras do? Because <laughs> if they really want to just be violent against you and trying to get away with it, they're going to find a safe place. And I don't know what health policies have to do. <laughs> fighting mm. violence. It's a little bizarre. Okay, next one is enhance the capacity of institutions at all levels to deliver effective prevention, oh my God. remediation. And so this is what I was talking about. Having HR meetings like every month mm. where you basically tell everyone the kinds of behaviors that are acceptable and that are not yeah, acceptable. But I wish the language that is used here <laughs> can be actually more concrete. You know, be substantial. Don't be so vague and theoretical. Like, I don't think if you give this to, if someone's like, oh, I have problems. I'm at workplace that I need to deal with as a manager, as an HR person. I don't know what to do. And I came across this article. I'd be like, I don't know what is being talked about in this article. Like, tell me what to do. That is all from this article. But there is a lot of research that I have rounded up. And one is from Gallup. Mm. And this is from the International Labor Organization mm. in concert with Gallup, because Gallup is oftentimes hired by outside institutions to do their statistical yes. analysis for them. Experiences of violence and harassment at work. This is from 2022, so fairly recent. Very recent, yeah. Yeah, and in it, it says basically that nearly one in 10 persons in employment has, this is one in 10, has experienced physical violence. So that's crazy. I know one in 10 people that is, I have been very lucky, I guess, but also I'm a tall dude, Yeah. but I'm guessing a lot. Well, I think when they mean physical violence or harassment, they're also talking about sexual harassment because probably I can't imagine a lot of people beating each other up in the one, 10% of people has been hit or kicked or something <laughs> in the workplace. Yeah. It's, it's sounds like fight club. Wow. Okay. So one in 15 yeah. People in employment has experienced sexual violence and harassment at work in their working life. Oh, God. That is mm. unbelievable. It's a lot of people choose to not talk about it, actually. So I think the number is already pretty high, but it could be even higher if more people choose to talk about it. I actually was talking to my cousin who's been working for a big Chinese a real estate group for a long time. And one of her leaders that she's been working with for 10 years was, you know, doing stuff. And she told me about it. And she's like, you can't tell my husband because, you know, if you how do I even put this in a correct way? I don't want to say it's not as bad, but, you know, it's it's like the person was being very handsy, was trying to, like, wow. keep her at a dinner table and drink more alcohol and stuff, you know. But this is beyond workplace. This is legal like issues that extend be from the workplace that, that go over a manager's head to, you know, justice and law enforcement. Yeah, I agree. So if someone is being sexually harassed mm. in some way at the workplace, this isn't even something I would think you should go to HR. This is something you should go to the police station or a lawyer for. That is correct, but I feel like people don't do it. Why is that, Alex? There's that wall of defense or actually trust, if you will, that's called the company. You would think that the company that hires you would hire other people that are at least equally decent of a human being that you are. Mm. And the company gives you all of these promises. And, you know, when you're getting the orientation, when you first join the company, they will say, if things like this happen, come to us. 
you know, we'll help you handle it. We'll, we'll protect you. We'll support and assist you. So deep down when you're working for an institution, you would always think about everything within kind of the frame of the institution first. So a lot of people would report them to HR, but if it's like really violent offense, you know, violent sexual offense, of course, that goes to the police directly straight, like no problem, no questions asked. But if, you know, this person is always saying kind of inappropriate things to me or always brings me to business dinners where I am forced to drink a lot of alcohol and forced to, you know, please other people like out of boundaries, then that's something you would feel like as an employee of the company that should go to HR first and see what they do because you trust the company that you're working with. I mean, I understand, you know, as a very young person, the pressure to drink in social situations, but I also feel like Mm. it's a person's own body. And if they don't want to drink alcohol, they shouldn't even have the first sip. Like if they, you know, alcohol should be something you do with your friends or social occasions or family when you're in a comfortable place. I think it should probably, Mm. companies should not be able to ask their employees to drink alcohol. There should be laws against that kind of thing. I'm not sure if in the United States there are. I don't think there are, but <laughs> there may be. I mean, I'm, I don't know the law, and there's more law than anyone could possibly read. Yeah, that's exactly. And, there, and then there's so many hidden items or things that can only be interpreted and not just hold flat out like law clause clauses. Is that what they're called? So, and I think in America it's more like mm-hmm. between coworkers. It's not really for clients. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. I think maybe the the scope has changed, but I think people still go out with their clients. Yeah, friend of the show, Pat Yu, he's talked about having to go out with his clients and bring them to clubs and go like party with them and drink like mm. Cristal or whatever. <laughs> so it's still something that happens in American culture where, like, if you are trying to initiate new relationships with an, another company or a potential client that there may still be like partying involved yeah. in order to facilitate that. But I think that if an employee of either company attends these, you know, events, then they shouldn't be expected. I mean, obviously, I think I'm speaking for almost anyone reasonable person. They shouldn't be expected to drink anything if they don't want to. Yeah, I think as, especially nowadays, people people are more and more understanding, you know, if you have health problems, if you're just not willing to drink, you shouldn't feel the pressure to do so or against your own will. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, okay. In this Gallup survey, it does talk about exactly what we're trying to get at. And it mentions this in one small paragraph. I was hoping Mm. there'd be more, but it says multiple factors and barriers may prevent people from disclosing incidents of violence and harassment at work. Among survey respondents, there were two. One is waste of time Mm. and two is fear for their reputation. So these are the two primary things mm. preventing people from reporting harassment. So I'm assuming these are not like violent attacks. These are pr- mostly like mm. inappropriate comments and discrimination yeah. based on like gender, race, age, etc. So mm. it looks like to me like you and I hit it on the head in the first 10 minutes of the yeah. show. These waste of time and fear of you for your reputation both go to the failure of HR yeah. to handle these kinds of complaints correctly. So it looks like, you know, on a cursory inspection, that the real problem with women or anyone yeah. reporting harassment is the failure of maybe smaller companies, I'm not sure, or maybe even larger companies, the failure of HR to deal with these problems well. I think it really doesn't discriminate when it comes to the size of the company you're working for. If the HR, if you don't think you can trust your HR, if you try to talk to them about stuff and it wasn't, you know, reciprocated or it wasn't even responded responsibly, then you wouldn't continue to go back to them. That's just, I feel like it would even be worse if you're in a bigger company because you feel smaller, Mm. you know, comparatively speaking in a bigger company. And you would even think to yourself, why would HR waste time on my case? Could it be a family culture thing? Maybe HR would potentially be able to deal with the problem in some of these cases that it goes unreported. However, the employee doesn't feel comfortable testing that theory. Yeah. Can't remember exactly where I read this case, but one female employee did report her superior 
to HR saying that he was sexually harassing her and even like assaulting her. And when HR was investigating the case, HR kept asking her to go over what happened in great details over and over again without really offering what this information would lead to or what they're doing with the person that is being accused. And so the victim or the the alleged victim, let's just be objective with our language, was asked to go through her trauma without any empathy, without any promise or even just clarification of the purpose of this interrogation or this interview, quote unquote. So she just eventually kind of just gave up because she just couldn't continue to do it. It's too mm. hard. And she quit her job. And, you know, she's like, I'm just going to leave and I can't deal with this. Mm. I want to change the topic a little bit. I want to pose a question that I am not clear on. So this comes from, mm. how did you say? Del what? Uh, Deloitte. Deloitte. Yeah. This is from a Deloitte Women at Work 2023 Global Outlook Survey. And... It says on page nine, Mm. on the bottom, it says, how would you rate the following elements of your life today? Ability to switch off in 2022, 45% said, yes, I can go home and eat pizza and watch TV. I don't know. 37% in 2023. So less people are able to turn their work life off when they go home. or It's very hard now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, second thing is physical health and well-being, 2022, 65% felt physically healthy and 54% in 2023. Mm. This is to build up to a larger question. It mentions on page 10, and it's highlighted, fewer women feel comfortable discussing or disclosing their mental health at work. Now, I find this perplexing as as something that it would even be come up because is it the role of HR and management to know the mental health of their employees in the first place? Like, honestly, I'm one of those talky people. That's why we have this job, Alex. Mm. I'll just tell anyone anything about anything all the time. Like, I don't care. But (laughs) maybe some introverts, they don't maybe want to tell their boss how their life is outside Mm. of work or how happy they are. Like, is it okay for workplace the workplace to be asking their employees how do you feel in the first place? Yeah. Is that why they're there? I think you can ask them how do they feel at work. It's really not their this is one thing that I'm going to this is one thing that I really don't like that they ask and this is more of the problem during the talent acquisition process where they ask you are you married? Do you plan to have kids and stuff? I'm like if you believe in the professional capabilities, my personal life choice shouldn't affect your decision of whether you're hiring me or not. Mm. And then Mm -hmm, once mm -hmm, you do hire mm -hmm. me, I think HR should have the right or at least try to care about how their employees feel at work. We have, you know, my old company, we do have these big Mm -hmm, company wise mm -hmm, meetings and there's surveys being collected and you're answering, you're asked to answer questions like, oh, how did you feel in the past year working for the company? I'm like, nobody's going to think about everything, every moment that they went through and just at the end of the year and try to give it a very objective uh, number, objective score of how I felt throughout the whole year. Because a lot of people, for, for example, for me, I decided to leave the company not because of an overall, it's not because I had a pro-con list and then the cons outweighed the pros. It's just there are a couple moments that really, really pushed me to this decision. And if you really care about retaining talent in your company, you should look out for these moments or have something that is a lot more organic instead of just kind of going through the format and going through this whole a show mm-hmm. to ask people how they feel. I don't think HR should have the right to ask people about their personal life and if their personal life is what's making them feel or behave a certain way at work because that's just not their business. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. You drew lines that I didn't actually even really think about or see. Mm. Firstly, I agree. It should be the place of the workplace to try to make sure that their employees are mentally well off, mentally, you know, that work is is okay. I also at the same time think that more thought should be given to it's okay for employees to say, I don't want you to ask me about my well-being or whatever. Like, Mm. you know, they say, oh, how are you? I don't want to 
disclose that. Okay, fine too. Yeah. I think both because, you know, you have different kinds of people. You have different personality types and some people might just be like, that's none of your business. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's important for companies in HR to keep in mind that they should be trying to help their employees be happy. But at the same time, they shouldn't be like happiness enforcers also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, one thing that I didn't like too much was like people would overshare at work. I was like, I don't really want to know what you talk to your mom about, you know, but I do think seriously speaking, I think what we're talking about here is the quality of HR Mm, staff that actually are academically achieved and professionally trained to handle a lot of different aspects. And it's it's very sophisticated Mm. cases that they have to go through to really provide support to a company and its employees. But a lot of HRs nowadays, this is one thing that I'm like, I don't understand. A lot of HR people nowadays are really, really, really inexperienced or just younger professionals who haven't really experienced a lot at work and they're asked to do the job of someone who's a wise person in the company, who's an advice provider to people that could be a lot older, who have spent a lot more years in the professional world than they have. I just feel like it would take a really special case Mm. to be able to perform at that level. And unfortunately, a lot of companies that have grown super fast in the past, maybe 10 or 20 years, they have to just hire anyone and everyone who's willing to do HR jobs because we're I don't think I, I think we should make one clarification that we're not trying to say HR people are useless or bad. It's actually a really, really hard job. And if you've had a good HR, I had a really good HR BP. We had a talk and, you know, I wish I had talked to her earlier. Maybe that would have swayed my decision mm-hmm. of whether I was going to stay or leave the company. But she's, I think, one, two years older than me. And she's done her job at HR department for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she came up in a more traditional HR career path. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't asked to handle jobs that are kind of beyond her understanding of the workplace when she was younger. That's why she's so good. But nowadays, a lot of tech companies or big corporates, they're expanding so fast. They have to go to the young ones. Uh, they have to go to people who are just willing to do these dirty jobs as HRs. So that, I think, is part of what the problem is. They can't really handle. They can't really handle your complaints or reports properly because they don't really know mm-hmm. what to do. They'll just say, well, yeah, we'll follow protocol. But what about the very skillful way of answering mm-hmm. these people's reports and complaints and make sure... They feel supported and then make sure they actually get the support in the end. Well, I actually wanted to, you know, I had so many things in my head at the same time, so it's difficult for me to get it out. But I would say Mm. I completely agree with you. And maybe the economy is a very important factor in why there are special challenges. But it also, I mean, I want to emphasize what you said by saying if the amount of women who are willing to report harassment is dropping by 7%, then Mm. clearly... HR in the West, because I'm assuming these surveys by Gallup were primarily focused on Western institutions, need to pay more attention to providing HR with better legal guidelines too. Mm. Like, hey, if these kinds of behaviors happen, these are the avenues that you can take so that people within HR have the tools that they need. Because clearly, if roughly, what is it, 59% of women are willing to say that they've been harassed, then you have one third of women not willing to report some kind of harassment. That That is too much. And something needs to be done to facilitate HR across the board, mm. across all kinds of different companies, to be able to take the actions which allow people to take those complaints. And maybe it's outside, outside of HR. Maybe the solution is like, you know, in the United States, if you get in California, I don't know, in the United States is a big place. Mm. In California, there are hotlines to complain about your boss, to complain about your pay, to complain you didn't get paid right, to complain your taxes weren't done right. There are different institutions that you can call and say, hey, my boss didn't pay me for such and such hours and mm. they made a such and such excuse. And then they that city or state department will crack down on your boss for mm. you. So if HRs and companies are not able to provide women the support that they need to report yeah. physical, sexual discrimination, all kinds of other harassment, then maybe the state needs to make tools available to women yeah. so that they can complain to a legal entity on their behalf. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right solution. It, it, it seems a very complex, very nuanced. It's probably different from state to state, city to city, country to country, culture to culture. Mm. So this is not something, obviously, we're going to solve on this program today. Yeah. But we can uh, alert people to the fact that this is becoming 
you know, I thought after me too, that that was, I, I don't know, maybe I have this end of history, like meme in my head. I thought, oh, this is it. It's all fixed now. But it obviously not. Nothing really changed. Of course. It was just a year or two of awareness. And then it kind of just faded into history itself. So this is something that we as a society, a human society everywhere, need to stay vigilant about. We should continue to have conversations like this. And I think it's important to understand once you make something into a movement, that means this problem has been consistent and complicated enough to mm. be put on this level of uh, societal awareness. And these movements are not going to get an overall victory within a couple months or a couple years. Right. Even this is a long battle and this is calls for everyone's attention and just make it into part of your everyday thinking. And that's how we can help ourselves and people around us little by little. I have a question. Uh, yes. And this is a bizarre question. I know we're almost out of time. I'm going to ask it anyway. This is a Chinese American difference in culture. Yeah. In America, it's pretty much like if you work together, you can't date. And if you do, mm. because you both really want to, you have to kind of keep it a secret because you probably shouldn't mm. be in the first place. I wanted to ask really quickly. If you can sum it up, and I know it's probably way more complicated than a minute, but in China, are coworkers allowed to date? Or is this also perceived as a an opening to sexual harassment? I think this absolutely varies. It completely depends on which company you work for. There's no law or there's no rule saying that you can't date if you work in the same office. A lot of people actually meet their significant other in their office or in the same company. But mm. for companies like the one that I used to work, basically big tech firms, you are absolutely allowed to date. You are actually not encouraged to keep it a secret. And you're encouraged to actually report to the company that you're dating. Mm. And if you're working for two teams or departments that have no professional relations, especially if it deals with monetary benefits, then you are OK. The company doesn't really care. But if you are, for example, if the boyfriend is an operation person for the media company and then the girlfriend decides which vendor the operation team gets to work with, then that's something that the company. Um, you definitely don't want to keep that a secret because that could be, you know, severely against company guidelines and even be mm, potentially mm, mm. unlawful to do so. And then if that's the case and you guys are dating, then the company mm -hmm. will try to help you find a solution. We'll adjust maybe one of your probably one of you need to move to a different team or change your job responsibilities so that mm. you are not related in the professional way where you could basically help each other because it's not even trust we all know when you're significant others also with when you're with your significant other you're probably going to tell them something even you're just hinting at it that could be used as business intelligence that can be used for or against someone else's benefits so the company would do that but if you're not you know if your teams have no nothing to do with each other if you're a developer your team and your girlfriend works for legal they probably most likely they won't even do anything or say anything to you that's actually really interesting i have so much to say but i can't if you guys want to add to this conversation please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com if you liked this episode please subscribe thank you for listening thank you for joining us alex no problem lovely talking to you jason oh, yeah.